0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Today is Monday Mashup. This is where we recap one of our top episodes over the last three years in a short little uh, value-driven, insightful snippet for you. Today's episode is with Robin Benacasa. She is a world champion athlete. Uh, Robin is a 2014 CNN hero. She is a San Diego firefighter and a 10-time Ironman finisher. She's a world champion, adventure racer, and three-time Guinness Endurance paddling and world record holder. Man, that's a mouthful. Uh, Robin was at the top of her game when an injury ended that path for her, and rather than giving up on her dreams, Robin turned her setback into a victory, not only for herself, but for countless others she's helped along the way. In this short episode, we share snippets of Robin's original interview with us, so listen in as she talks about what adventure racing is, how she turned a major injury into a world record, and the work that she now does to help anyone ready to make a comeback in their own lives. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast.
1: Tell everybody what you're doing here today now in your world. Oh gosh. Um, Well, it's a, it,
2: yeah, it's funny because there were so many things that led up to this moment where um, I'm actually doing a lot of, keynote speaking i'm still a full-time san diego firefighter and i'm running the project athena foundation and we put on six adventures a year for survivors as well as fundraisers and uh, so pretty much i suppose if you sort of distill the essence of what <laughs> i do down into into one word okay. um, it would probably be that that i'm a team builder
1: Right now, you have you had mentioned the Project Athena organization, which takes survivors of physical or personal trauma, right on the, on these epic, insane adventures uh, that teach them how to dig deep and overcome and build teamwork and find all that in them. Is that an accurate representation of of your I know it's much more than that,
2: yeah. well, yeah it, it well, so the whole idea for for Project Athena came yeah. to me because. After 17 years of adventure racing at a really high level and we were, you know, multiple time world champions and and my teammates and I, you know, really like battled through some of the craziest endurance challenges and the toughest races on earth for 17 years. And then I discovered I had end stage osteoarthritis in both my hips. And so suddenly I went from being this ultra endurance athlete that was racing multiple times a year to um, someone who they were like, yeah, you may not really be able to go back to work for several months. You'll never run again. You're probably never going to race again. And, you know, to kind of like absorb all of that. Um, but on the other hand, I pretty quickly realized, you know what, I'm actually pretty happy to have something that can actually be fixed because so many people don't. And so then I was like, you know, into each life, some rain is going to fall. And I was like, okay, well, I got an umbrella here. And, uh, And so that's what I decided I really wanted to do for other people to take my background and experience in adventure sports and how that really helps you rise and discover how amazing you are and build your character and build your connections to other people. And I wanted to help survivors of medical or traumatic setbacks live an adventurous dream, like cross a crazy, challenging finish line as part of their recovery. Um, because it helped me so much to recover from my setback of my hips. That's how I became an ultra endurance kayaker. And, um, you know, and that's where like the idea came from me. It's like, let's not focus on what we can't do. Let's focus on what we can do. Yeah. And, um, so we now train survivors to do crazy things like, um, things that they're able-bodied and people without setbacks in their families would never imagine doing. Um, and we train them to do things like um, one of our adventures is to hike all the way across the Grand Canyon in one day oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and back the I next day. It. So we actually do rim in two days. And then we do yeah. an adventure that um, that we created that we call the Keys to Recovery, where we kayak and ride bikes from Key Largo to Key West, 120 miles over three days. Um, nice. And we do a 40-mile Zion Traverse where we hike 40 miles you know, across the entire um, zion national park in two days so there's these crazy endurance challenges that are doable um, for everybody And um, we take fundraisers too by the way so our groups are about a third survivors and two thirds fundraisers and um, it's it's really neat to to provide people with their big comeback party and you know we always say you're never defined yeah. by that back. you're defined by your comeback so we provide them you know with this comeback and um, yeah. that was kind of the neat thing that happened from you know A miniature setback I had, you know, having these crazy bionic hips, but, um, I'm just so glad it led me to, um, to project Athena.
1: That I love everything you just said. We're going to circle back at the end and wrap it up with more project Athena stuff. Now that people have an idea little of what you're going and you've alluded to this several times, you just casually drop in words like, you know, champion and adventure traveler, but there is nothing casual about anything. (laughs) that you have done in your past let's talk um explain what an adventure racer is let's start there
2: okay so it's a sport that that was invented by a crazy frenchman and uh and kind of spread throughout the world by mark burnett who whose name you might recognize from survivor but this way back when he was a garage band and um he decided that he was going to um you know kind of taken off the, off the French race director that started the the big race called the Raid Galois. Um, So the Raid Galois and the Eco Challenge, and then later the Primal Quest were the three biggest races. But in essence, they were all the same in that the format was pretty much the same. And that is that you have, um, you know, teams of men and women, you have to have mixed gender teams of four or five people, depending on the rules in the particular race. And the race director will ask you to meet them in the most remote place they can find on earth like the middle of a, of a high plain in Tibet or, or the (laughs) middle of the Borneo rainforest or like, like just like literally like we're we're racing going, has any human ever been here before? Like where we are. I mean, they can't get to it aside from like dropping people in from helicopters. And, you know, so it actually, in some races they've had people jump out of planes to get to the start line because they can't get there. So super remote places. And Then they, uh, basically the day before they hand each team, a set of maps and road rules, and you spend hours plotting your own course through usually about 600 to a thousand miles was the format. And so you're, it's all map and compass work, no GPS, no outside Mm -hmm. tracking. Um, it's literally you looking at the map and compass and charting your course the entire way. And there's usually like between 10 and 30 checkpoints, depending on the race. And so that they know you're sort of generally heading the right direction. (laughs) um, You know, in case you get lost, don't show up at a checkpoint, at least they know. So they have these places where you do need to check in. And then um, at some of the checkpoints, there are also transitions from sport to sport. So uh, we're doing like kayaking, mountain biking, whitewater rafting, mountaineering, um, all non-motorized transportation. And the couple interesting things about the race is that um, the clock never stops. So if you sleep and when you sleep is all part of your team strategy. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's crazy in that, you know, do you just race for three days until your brain explodes, but you have a lead and the, or do you like sleep two hours a night and kind of keep your schnizzle together and, you know, so you can navigate and keep moving. Yeah. So that was a big part of the strategy. And then the other key part of the sport, which actually led me to my speaking career later by accident was um, the fact that if one person on your team quit your entire team was disqualified. So that, yeah. So that really led to a situation where it's like, whoa, you know, this isn't just about a bunch of individuals walking the same way. Like this is about a bunch of individuals caring about each other as much as they care about themselves or in some cases more in the moment, depending on what's going on. But if you lose one person, your entire team has to quit. So you not only have to take care of each other, but we were sort of the people in the sport that pioneered all of the human synergy um, that we created, where um, instead of just carrying our own backpacks, we we would split the weight equally, or take a pack from whoever was struggling, or like we always tried to do what we called suffering equally. So mm-hmm. that like, if someone felt really good, we would put more weight on them so that the other person could could keep up. Yeah. Um, we invented o lines on our team, like we kind of you know changed the whole dynamic of the sport by by just treating all of our strength as as something that was totally collective. And, and saying, okay, you know what, we're going to put you on the end of a tow line. If you need it, we're going to, um, we, we took small dog leashes and used them to tow each other on mountain bikes. So that like those, those retractable dog leashes. (laughs) And like, we were the people that were just like, you know what, let's not wait for our slowest person. Let's just not have a slowest person.
1: So now you're doing, you're firefighter, you have a relationship, you're doing this adventure racing, you've done how many years of adventure racing, and all of a sudden at the tail end of one race, you have a moment that changes everything. What happened? Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, we were at the in the World Championships in Scotland, and um, about three days into it, all of a sudden, my my left leg wouldn't move forward anymore. Like, it just like I completely lost the power to move forward. Yeah. And I thought I had like pulled a, you know, pulled a hip flexor or something like that. And so I had to like pull my leg forward with my hand for the whole rest of the race. My team had to take my pack, put me on toe. I had my leg on a string, like, like physically pulling it forward. Wow. And we had to climb Ben Nevis in the middle of this thing. And I, my teammates bless their hearts. Like they, short of actually carrying me, you know, like, cause I had no strength in it, no power in it. And, yeah. But you know, we, we came there to win. We ended up fifth, which is still pretty good, but I was a total train wreck. Um, you know, at the, at the end of it, like I couldn't walk like at yeah, all. Yeah, You were done. That like, was it. Yeah. And so someone's like, you better go get an x-ray. I'm like, Oh, my hip flexor will heal. And they're like, no, you better get an x-ray. And literally my first x-ray um, first time I'd ever been to an orthopedic specialist in mm-hmm. my life. He just like pops the x-ray up and, and says, see right here, see where this, like, there's supposed to be a space right here between like this ball and your hip. And, and there was like, literally not any space, like some little, like black dots that showed where space used to be. But like, I was completely bone on bone, you know, no more cartilage. And I, you know, I just didn't want to believe it. You know, of course, because you're an athlete, you're like, Oh, whatever. I'll just, I'm going to push through this. Yeah. And I said, just give me some like big ibuprofens or whatever you got. Yep. Maybe I'll see you in a couple of years. And, and as I was going out the door, he said, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Oof. <laughs> and he was right. And I was wrong.
1: <laughs> so that led you into four hip replacements over the years. Yeah, and you have two by bi- six hip replacements, two bionic hips. And instead of giving up on all sorts of adventure and activities and sports at all, you just switched courses, became a world record holder in another discipline, became a professional speaker to teach people <laughs> the lessons you've learned, and now started a nonprofit to use all of those skills together to help other women who've gone through the, these things find their path use, using the same techniques that helped you do so much. Where like That's yeah. incredible. Like A well, lot of it, people would just be like, well— okay, I guess I should, like, I don't know.
2: You could either be like super bummed about what you can't do. Right. Or you can say, what can I do? <laughs> I mean, it seemed like, you know, it does suck for a little while, you know, but you can't live there, you know? Like, yeah. you got to move on to like, okay, well, well, what can I do? And the thing I knew I could do, regardless of what, what stage of hip replacement I was in or not in or what stage of right. brokenness and over over like this eight year period um, you know, I was like, one thing I can do is even if I have to crutch down to my boat, I can crutch down to my boat and sit in it, you know, yeah. like, you know, there's nothing wrong with anywhere from my hips up. So what do I, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to paddle. That's so great. I started like decided, you know, I'm going to do these super long nonstop paddling races. Cause I already loved the paddling races in an adventure race. So I had some background experience, but what I didn't know was because we were always in double kayaks and adventure racing or for the most part, not always, but so I didn't know like because we were always one of the faster paddlers in these races. Like we always either kept our lead or or took a lead like in these big long paddling sections. Yeah. But I was like, okay, is it the guy behind me that's really good at this? Or or am I providing some motor? Like I didn't know the ratio. Like I didn't know whether he right. was just good and I was just in the boat, or you know, whether part of it was me. So I decided like I was like okay I'm going to find out you know so um I set out to uh to break the Guinness World Record for longest distance paddle by Yeah why
1: not yeah, yeah go ahead <laughs> And uh
2: so that was pretty cool I went to the Yukon River and um and paddled for 24 hours down the Yukon and and uh and I broke that record and last time I checked my record still stood so that was that's pretty cool And then um and then I decided to enter my first big race. And the longest nonstop paddling race in the U.S. Yeah. is this awesome race. It's called the Missouri River 340. It's a 340-mile nonstop paddle from Kansas City to St. Charles.
1: <laughs> and it's awesome. It's I bet it is. Yeah.
2: It, I mean, it's really cool. But it's the, the neat part of it, the intriguing part of it, is the yeah. nonstop part of it. Because then that brings me like back into adventure racer mode. Like, how yeah. far do you or not go or sleep or not sleep. And, and so I, I realized early on that the winners were just blowing through the whole thing. So in my first one, I was like, I'm just paddling through the whole thing. And so mm-hmm. I did, I never got in the boat, you know, and to this day, I still don't get out of the boat when I do it. Um, you know, you just, you have like five or six pit stops where your crew throws more food at you or throws more water at you. And, and if you're doing yeah. it right there for like a minute or less, and then you, you know, and then you
1: keep going. That's how and, I do road trips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got 90 seconds out in boom, like, God, like, literally, we need gas. If you can pee by the time I gas up, great. If not, you better hurry up and catch up because I'm going to be down that interstate. Like okay. the, People yeah, hate road like, tripping with me. <laughs> you're an adventure racer in your brain. <laughs> yeah, in my brain, I am. Yeah, that's great. Good powerful messages to teach about leadership and teamwork and obviously anybody listening is going to understand your experience like just imagine the lessons learned. Nothing is a better educator than experience and you have it, you know, in spades. Robin, if somebody wants to connect with you to find out about how to bring you to their event to speak, how to find out about the book you wrote, how to find out more about Project Athena or anything else that you are involved in, whether they want to be a sponsor a god or a goddess or Zeus or Athena or just follow you and spread the word, how can they do that?
2: Um, so you can find everything. Um, at worldclassteams.com, which is my website, or my name.com goes to the same place. So worldclassteams.com or Robin And then uh, Project Athena directly is projectathena.org. All
1: right, great. Man, thank you. I cannot believe for me this time just whizzed by. And I feel like I didn't get to touch on just like all of that <laughs> stuff that we wanted to touch on. But I mean, really, there's so much about you and That that course of your life and the trajectory and the lessons you learn and the attitude and the mindset that you bring to everything you do and just the energy that you bring, phenomenal. I cannot wait to follow up with you and see all these things that that you continue to do. I can't wait to spread the word about Project Athena. You know, I'm a military widow. Lord knows we could have used a Project Athena (laughs) in our world. I could have used a Project Athena probably (laughs) now. Probably still now, right? But definitely... If I'd had that, you know, a little bit of time ago, it would have helped me avoid a different kind of pain. But yeah, um, yeah, definitely in the military widow community, I will be spreading the word too and um, see what I can do to connect you with people who want to get behind you and support you as well. That would be
2: really cool. I Uh, mean, talk about a great comeback from that. Yeah, yeah,
1: that would be great. So so you're not done with me yet, Robin (laughs) Benincasa. All right. Thank you again so much for taking the time to sit down with us.
2: Yay. Thanks. And thanks to everybody who listened. This has been fun.
0: All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of the American Snippets podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today for this short little snippet with Robin Benacasa. If you want to listen to the full interview that we did with Robin a little over a year ago, that w- that is episode number 136. You can also catch that interview uh, in a video format on YouTube at American Snippets. And while you're at it, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at American Snippets as well. Uh, Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you enjoyed this episode, share this podcast with a friend, let people know what we're doing here. And finally, make sure you go to americansnippets.com forward slash newsletter, subscribe to our email list, uh, listen to the featured podcast episode of the week and check out all the other things that we're doing here uh, at American Snippets with our apparel line and our community called the Great American Syndicate. Again, we appreciate you being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you really are.